How's everyone's teeth? <clears throat> Everything what? Teeth? Teeth? Oh, teeth. Yeah. Or are uh, you, my... you're all saying disappointments are today, or? My appointments today, my... Justin's. Yeah, I had mine yesterday. Mine, my, my professor. Did you all make an appointment in some, like, when I was talking about it? Did I, like, convince you all to go to the dentist? Or did we just have a really weird dentist zeitgeist? It, it must have been that. I I, uh, I make mine six months ahead, like, for my previous yeah, visit. Usually. Oh, so yours is, like, already done. Yeah. So my next one is uh, May 2nd, I believe, if you want to sync up again. Yeah, mine will be late April, so it'll be a back then. I just get a... Mine operates on the postcard level. Of they'll just send me a postcard to remind me. Oh, nice! I get I get texts and mm, yeah. And then I get a then I get a medical questionnaire. Like, hey, has anything changed since the last time we saw you? In the email. And the questionnaire is funny because because it has like has a percentage done, but the percentage done assumes that you answer like yes to like entering more information for everything. So it goes like two percent, three percent, four percent, and then it's like ninety nine percent signed now. Oh. Yeah, I thought it was interesting at mine because uh, it was my first time there uh, when I went last week, and then uh, I got a cavity filled yesterday, um, which I totally forgot that involves needles. Um, mm. Definitely forgot. Um, uh, actually, yeah, I just want to switch to that story. Uh, it's more, it's funnier. Because um, so what happened was I went to the dentist and to get my cavity filled. Um, I'm thinking everything's going to go well because the last time I was the very first person, you know, that magical thing about being the very first person in the office, like everything is on time. You get out early. Everything's great. This was like, I was, you know, the second batch of people. And so I ended up waiting in the waiting room for over 40 minutes. Um, and then I finally get back there and, uh, they numb my, it was on my lower jaw, uh, and I had already scheduled, like, so this is all like the, the timing does matter because it's related to that. I had scheduled a networking lunch yesterday. And so my face was still numb when I went to networking <laughs> lunch. So I ordered food and didn't eat any of it and just took it home. Well, you're, <laughs> like, also, it just took it back. you're also not supposed to eat your tongue. Exactly. Come. You aren't supposed to eat. Yeah. yeah. So like, I was like this, I like can't do this. Because uh, they said not to eat until you could feel your face again. How um, was networking, conversing with? You know that was fine. Like I didn't have any problems talking, uh, and I had a friend at, at the hall like look at my face and tell me if I looked weird. And he said I didn't look weird, so um, so I determined that it was still a go ahead. And I told the person like when we sat down, I was like, hey, like. I had a cavity filled, and so I'm going to order soup, but I'm probably not going to eat anything. <laughs> like, I'm going to make an effort to attempt a soup, but, like, I feel like it's not going to go well. Um, but it was actually pretty great. It was, I'm in this uh, leadership program thing, uh, and we uh, have an option to uh, meet up with other people in the program every week. And so it kind of depends on if the person on the other end or, or myself or the other person responds to the email and wants to schedule a thing. So this week we went to lunch um, with my weekly person. Um, it was good. Nice. It was uh, it's pretty funny. Because uh, also then at the end, because also he had uh, gone to like a big breakfast networking thing earlier in the day, so he wasn't hungry. So he like our our the bill for the two of us was like twelve dollars. I felt really bad. <laughs> um, so I I left a five dollar tip, some small, but so I hope your teeth go well, Trevon. <laughs> they will. It's just another uh, tell me that I need my wisdom teeth out. I'm gonna be like next time. Do? 
Next time I'll do Is that what they always tell you? They've been I mean, does it hurt? There's nothing wrong with them. They just want to take them out. Like, huh. Maybe later. I mean, that's the standard thing for wisdom teeth. It's usually that they're crowding. So you want to take them out. Uh, well, um, mine are out. So my mouth has space for them. If they, oh, the danger is wanted. the cavity. Yeah, um, it'll it's hurt gonna be really while. bad. Yeah, yeah. I got mine out like it's maybe like nineteen or twenty. Um, yeah, I, I think I had a cavity. I don't think they were just like, hey, let's take them out. I wonder how like yeah. I wonder like how like evolutionary like why why do we take them out now and it seems like something we live, you grow naturally. We live past before. thirty. Is that why? <laughs> That's a large reason because we care more about our teeth now. I mean, dentistry only came to be in like the 1800s right because uh born of western so computers computers <clears throat> i started oh, oh i started i watched the intro video for the fast.ai so like i might i might do the fast.ai course i'm gonna try what is this it's a deep learning course it's seven weeks long it's supposed to be you know bring deep learning to the masses situation um, everything's free. Uh, it does cost money to run the homework and stuff on AWS, but the, uh, now that the class has been running for a bit, people know how to make it cheaper. So it used to be like the class and honestly, the class would cost you like, I think like a hundred bucks or maybe a few hundred bucks, like still like way less than a, uh, you know, a university course, um, would cost you. So I'm just going to try and suck it up and pay AWS. Um, I already checked, and uh, DigitalOcean does not have GPUs, so I cannot use my uh, piles of credit <laughs> that I have on DigitalOcean. But you, so can I need to. Get positive. you know, I think I have a little bit of credit still on my personal account, and like I've already like the group of people that I'm I'm doing it with some other recursors, uh, and like we already kind of were like, hey, AWS, do you want to give us credit so we can do this? That'd be cool. Um, I also release. have Google Cloud. It's just like all the docs are for AWS. So it's like, do I want to like go on har- even harder mode and try and translate everything to Google Cloud because I have credit there, <laughs> or do I want to just pay hundred bucks? Can you can you do the homework locally on your machine? No, because you need GPUs. I mean, I have a GPU. Uh, yeah, but you need <laughs> some. Yeah, Bitcoin I don't really understand why, but you need like. Like that's the whole the nice thing about the cloud is that you can just pay for more computer. I think it's like if you were to run it on your local machine, it would take like days. Um, so, and you wouldn't be able to use your computer for other things, but you probably want to. This seems really interesting. I might I might do this. So, is the course you should? Like, I'm starting this. Or... No, no, no. It's just it takes seven weeks, and I'm just starting this week because the uh, we have a. We, we call them the mole. We have someone who's taking the in-person edition right now and that just started this week. So we're going to try and... Oh, wow. Um, how do you start? I'm like looking on their website. I don't see like a sign up. So you go fast.ai and you mm-hmm. click on deep learning one uh-huh. and you click on lesson one. Oh, yeah. You just, and the then you start. It's not even a login. Like it's not even Coursera. It's like just totally, totally open. Yeah, I was like, no, you just do the thing. It's just there. I know like very basics of neural networks of <clears throat> vectorizing input and then a bunch of math in between and then you get output. And then <laughs> and then you, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the math seems like the hard part. Like, I'm not usually like, I want to take the course. I want to learn all this stuff. I'm not sure like when you actually need to know them and when. 
when whatever you're using will just take care of it for you. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, their I like their motto is make deep learning uncool again. Yeah. Or or make neural networks uncool again, something like that. And um, just that they don't, they want to, uh, I watched the intro video the other day because um, there's an intro before lesson one. So you get like a sense of the course, which I actually think was, it was worth watching. I did watch it on 2X. Um, so I think you can watch the intro on 2X. You probably can't watch the lessons on 2X. Um, but uh, that the way people teach deep learning is like if you required people to take, you know, physics two before they ever played baseball. Like if you were like, well, before you ever throw a ball, you have to understand like mass and force and parabolas and how this all works. And then maybe one day, if you're good enough, you can throw a baseball. <laughs> so their, their thing is that you should also be able to just throw the baseball. And that's okay. Yeah. That that's that's a, a valid. Do you have a you to learn? I I just want to. I mean, I think it's I almost I kind of have something to do with it, like work stuff. Um, but until I actually know it, I don't even feel like I really actually know what I can. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I can't. I don't even know the domain space well enough to be like, oh, and then I'll use it for this. So. Um. But yeah, so I feel like I, I almost want to, like, I want to do, I want to, that's why I'm, like, actually going to do the homework, because, like, that's one of the things that they kind of hammer down in the intro is, like, do the homework. Uh, you can watch the videos and be like, yeah, whatever, and then I will continue not knowing how to do deep learning anything, but if I actually do the homework, then I have a decent chance of actually. That's what my teachers used to say. Do the- I mean, they used to say that, and I also didn't always believe them. Um yeah, so I guess it depends on the topic, because I mean, like, I mean, it's a pointless to do the homework for something that you already understand, but for something I don't understand, then maybe it's useful. Like, when someone explains, like, what I have trouble with, I have trouble with macroeconomics. Let's get at microeconomics, because microeconomics is pretty much just algebra, um, and macroeconomics is a bit more about trends and big stuff. There was an article yesterday where uh, I don't know how they do it. They didn't really go into it. There's an abstract that I didn't really read. Um, essentially, like, if uh, the Google image classifier can classify something, and they have an example of a tabby cat, it correctly classifies it as a tabby cat, and then they have some kind of um, algorithm or method for, uh, they call it perturbing. So they made this tabby cat, uh, the Google image classifier now recognizes it as guacamole. And... They were able to do this not only with 2D images, but they also could 3D print a uh, sea turtle that, uh, again, it correctly classified it as a sea turtle. But when they perturbed it, even in 3D, like holding up a 3D printed model to a camera, it thought it was a gun, no matter what angle they held it at. Wait, it was a cat, though? Uh, so, so they had two examples. One was a 3D turtle that Google thought was a gun, and then the other one was a tabby cat image that, that it thought was guacamole. Oh, nice. Um, I posted a link, uh, put it in the show notes. But yeah, it's just kind of interesting how they could, like, I have no idea how they did it. There was details in an abstract. Um, but you know, they call it adversarial. Ooh, nice. I'm actually, are you all members of the ACM? I no. have been for a while, but I didn't ever read it. I'm, I'm, so I'm letting it lapse. Yeah, exactly. Just thinking about papers. Well, now there's ResearchGate. 
so it's like I should loiter on ResearchGate more often. Do oh, oh, nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been a member of the ACM for years. I'm just letting it lapse because I they, they actually the communications of the ACM is the the monthly journal is really good, but I just noticed the last six months it just goes straight into my recycling, and it's just it's just a bummer. Like I really, it's a thing that I feel like I should, but it's like as you know. Like how we talked about, uh, I still haven't started AV Club, but like how we talked about, you know, learning mechanisms, I feel like going with what's working or trying something and seeing if it sticks versus feeling bad about the thing that you aren't doing, it's probably a more productive use of my emotions. So I'm going to stop feeling bad about not reading ACM. But I was just thinking about it because I was wondering <laughs> if you all had a, because I, when I, you know, well, when I was working at big corporate, like I had, you know ample free time to cruise the, um, you know, I would look at just what was published in the last couple months in various topics in computer science. And it was super interesting. Like it was, you know, like 90% of them would, I would be like, eh. And then there would be something like, uh, you know, a new attack vector based on a new browser API. And I was like, well, that's cool. That's neat. And so... I would read that those papers, and that was what ACM was useful to me for was access to those papers. But have you all heard about ResearchGate? I just looked at it. It seems like it's um, it's not computer science, it's just generic research papers. Generic research, but uh, I think it's interesting because it's um, I just I heard it mentioned lately because I, I I heard about it a few years ago, but then I was like, oh, I, want, uh, I don't know. I just like then it came up in the news because the um, the a Journal of Anthropology emailed all their contributors and said, hey, I, we see that some of you are publishing your research on ResearchGate. Uh, and when you published to this journal, you agreed that we had exclusive rights to publish your work, a.k.a. that they have, you know, like very expensive deals with these um these distributors so that research is locked down so that you can only access research if you're associated with the university, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, to which obviously anthropology research responded, screw you. It's my paper. And I was like, that's cool. I like it. So now I want to like hover around research, read stuff. Democratize. You can do whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. That's what I yeah. yeah. You have as long as that website stays up, which, okay. you know, that's always a thing. So, like that's you know that's how I felt about remember remember when Coursera was better like it's still fine I guess but like I used to be able to get certificates from Coursera RIP and like without paying the money and it was really cool and it motivated me a lot and I feel like the content was really good um so enjoy things while they while they exist there is a a bit of a time pressure because these things do change and do go away so fast AI is newer so I think it's on its upswing, but uh, yeah, I'm always concerned about that because I think it's associated. I think it's a research lab where they like it's. This is the purpose of their research lab is to create democratizing deep learning stuff. Mm. And right now, it's totally free, so do it while it's totally free. Uh, like no, there's not even you don't even have to give them your email. Like how cool is that? Like they don't give a shit. <laughs> like you can sign up for the forums and stuff if you want, but. But yeah, someone else in, in Philly Tech told me that they were doing it uh, with their work cohort. That's like an interesting thing. Maybe you should check it out. 
I'd like to look at this. I'm really interested. Um, I don't have anything to use it for right now. So that... No, but I mean, seven weeks is also not that long of time, too. It's true. Like it's it's a lot of it's many. It seems like it's like six to seven hours a week, which is kind of a lot. I don't know for me right now. Sounds like not a lot. It is kind of a lot for me right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's a lot for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so it sounds familiar. I know. There's a time when I would have been like six hours, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> not not right now. Yeah, I think I learn best when I'm building something and need something to build build with. <laughs> um, for instance, like I, I keep. Yeah, exactly. Like I. Uh, yeah. I was on a plane for a few hours, so I went through, like, the Ember getting started guide, and I learned some Ember that way, but, like, I'm not going to actually learn Ember until I build something for, with it. Oh, for or, sure. Or any, or any other. Um, yeah. We use I Ember mean, I, a lot at work. Yeah, uh, I was thinking that. I was like, you actually, like, that's kind of like me in the deep learning is, like, once I can do something, I actually do think I have a problem domain to apply it to. Yeah. Um, I have a shit ton of data. Um, <laughs> so, like, the base need. Uh, wonder if there's interesting, weird, probably dumb stuff you could do with census data. Just thinking about large open data sets. Yeah. Well, and then of course in this course, I want to learn the difference between machine learning and deep learning and all the extraneous buzzwords. Mm-hmm. Like, is machine learning just the machines that learn? This could be an interesting thing to try and find a guest for. What was the joke about AI? Like, AI only pertains to things that we don't know how to do yet, and once we know how to do them, they're just computing or statistics (laughs) (laughs) turns out it's just math uh yeah i mean it kind of feels that way because it kind of feels like it's although you know what it is though because i i i do there's probably i still don't think i understand the root thing kind of like how understanding bitcoin or ethereum is air quotes just um but it is just understanding a distributed ledger um, once you get that core concept is actually really unsexy. Like yeah. Bitcoin is it's 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 banking. <laughs> like it's just bank. It's a distributed ledger. Like if you've ever did you all ever like I, I didn't, but my mom does this. You know, you fill out the you get the little book with your checkbook and you write down right. all your transactions. It's that <laughs> but <laughs> distributed. Like, okay, got it, done. I understand Bitcoin now. Or I mean, like, enough that I need to. Um, which I think is helpful to be able to break things down into, like, a very, very gross, un- like, statement of, you know, what it is. And I don't feel like I can do that for deep learning as yet. Like, a computer that can tell a difference between a dog and a cat. Is that it? Like, but that's, it and that's computer vision. <laughs> I mean, that's computer yeah. vision, but what about not computer vision? Is prediction machine learning or is it just, or is it prediction? Like, is it, a, like, is that just a, you know, is regression count as machine learning? Like, we've had regression for a long ass time. Um, if you all think of a guest so I can ask some dumb questions, uh, that'd be cool. The audience. Or if the audience, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, your questions, I, I know the answers to your dumb questions. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Turing. Was that? Did I? I didn't sound like Lennon. Um, oh, I wanted to ask Len if we can talk about why he's not on the podcast this week. Um, I'm sure he doesn't mind. Yeah, I was just gonna. But yeah, because. Uh, uh, what? Will you do the honors, Jermaine? 
lens somehow. But, I mean, somehow his, but his how? His, but how did Doc he break walking it? He got caught in the leash. I just suck so much, but it's still kind of funny. Um, the x-ray. He's terrible. Oh, he showed you oh, the x-ray? Seen the, he's, I haven't gotten to see the x-ray. I love x-rays. I'm weird. Sorry, that came out without thinking about <laughs> it. Is it, like really- Is it compound? Uh, no, he said well, I don't know if it was quite that much, but... It's probably not compound. He would say if it was compound. I always wanted. Okay. That's where your where your bone is showing. Ugh. It's horrifying. That's like the horrifying break. I think he would have. What do they call it? Compound. Uh, I don't know. And I think I'm right. I think that's what a compound fracture is. But um, well, like, like you have to fracture. you have to really screw it up <laughs> to have a bone showing. So, because you have to break through everything else. But I think really we all assume it was cross. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, and no, it was. Yeah. Um. But uh. Oh, now I'm looking at the picture, which I don't think we're gonna put in the show notes. <laughs> but that doesn't look that bad. Uh, like, it looks. I mean, it's pretty nasty. I mean, like, it needs a pin. But well, he, that's what he, that's what he got surgery for. Yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah. And hand stuff is. I've broken uh, bones in my hands, like, but just casually, just sprains, really, not even breaks. It's, a, it's always a fun time when I'm doing things that require a lot of grip because I'm like, oh, yeah, I get to be aware of that uh, those times that I've broken my knuckles. Because I, I hyperextend, so I, it's easy for me to sprain my knuckles. I really enjoyed for Halloween um, having a conversation with our three-year-old about how everybody has a skeleton inside them. <gasps> Do you... Explain, explain what the song? No, no, no. I'm yeah. thinking because we have an endoskeleton. End- because our... Yeah, because the opposite of exo. And did you know, because this is one of the fun facts that I like, is that I think it's starfish also have an endoskeleton. They look like they might have an exoskeleton, and you're used to seeing, like, you know, starfish skeletons on this, you know, which is also really, like, you know, metal that you're, you know, when you're, like, walking on the beach and you're like, oh, look, a starfish. It's so cute. That's a skeleton. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of metal. But, yeah, they also have endoskeleton. Um, I, I overheard a, a, a small child thinking of three things, awesome things to year old say, um, discussing with her, um, uh, her parent about whether C3PO was one word or multiple words. And she was very insistent that it was multiple words. And her, the person I presume was her mother was like, well, but what about, you know, like CBS, CBS is one word and it's three letters. And I was like, no, it's C3PO. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> because it's pretty cute. Did you want to do Halloween? Initialism, right? Yes. What did you do? Uh, we went. Well, we had um, a three-year-old had six Halloween things to go to, so she was Elsa and Minnie, depending on which one she was going to. Six. Six. She has <clears throat> soccer, ballet class. Both had Your three-year-old uh, parties hardier than I do. Like we had a we had I a kids to party to go to. <laughs> We had Halloween itself. There was a Halloween parade, and then there was a Halloween parade at school. I think that's all six. Just uh, yeah, she she really enjoyed it. Uh, my my wife and I were uh, Jessica Jones and Daredevil. Oh. Uh, from the Netflix Marvel series. <laughs> In case anyone who listens to this podcast somehow didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> it was you? nice. It was nice. It was nice. I'm glad you included it. Um, so I uh, just wore a lot of black and a lot of makeup and was like, this is me Halloweening. <laughs> That's all I did. 
for costumes. Um, but because uh, I actually did, I swear I bought a dress in the dollar section of Philly Ace's Thrift that I've been saving for months. That I was just gonna, you know, be like, oh look, it's a dress, it's a costume. Like, then uh, could not find it on Halloween at six p.m. And great, I'm just gonna wear black now. Because um, over the weekend I just wore black because I just wanted to. Like that's what I feel like wearing. I didn't even look for the costume. Um, so yeah, this year this year was a phone it in Halloween year. Like a dress, just dressing up. There's this strategy. You dress up enough that it's obvious that you're dressed up, but you don't dress up as anything in particular, <laughs> and then no one asks you. Or if they do ask you, you get to have a kind of interesting conversation of like, well, what do you think I look like? <laughs> what would you guess? <laughs> Turns out. It's not- I, I thought you were... Yeah, did you do you Halloween at all, Javon? I think it's a fun holiday. Now we can, um, now it's just, uh, I only have to wait three weeks until everyone makes the neighborhood all pretty, like holiday lights. I like Halloween. I regretted the, there was a really fantastic lazy Halloween costume this year that I was like, if only I had known, I would have done this. Um, but in order to dress as stranger things, you just wear clothes and then put Christmas lights on yourself. <laughs> Pull the box of waffles, the viral picture. Yeah, you can also have waffles. You know, there's there's other things you can do, but I mean, the really phoning in is just having a battery pack Christmas lights and just being like, look, I'm Stranger Things, what's up? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Did you I, uh, talk interesting things about code review yesterday, Javon? No, that covered uh, Just all the. Okay. Was it an airing of the grievances? I think that's what it was like. So we did a, bit, mm, we did a good job. Sounds suspiciously like an airing of the grievances. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I ran a retro for my team for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago, and it went super duper well. I was really happy with it, but I was so worried about it up until it, that it was just going to turn into an airing of the grievances. Because I remember that from when I worked at Com- uh, Comcast, that it was uh, often just uh, less, just an airing of the grievances section. We could talk about That's why I brought it up. Purpose of what do they? Get uh, I think there's a few. Because one for me that I think is really important, uh, and on the small team, is that someone else is aware of what is happening. Like straight up, that that someone else has, like, like they they put their name on it so that oh, also you know it's how you one of the ways uh, if you think about how to build a blameless culture, uh, it's one of the chief ways I think to like. In order to build a blameless culture, you have like a building block is having code review. Like, if if we if we I guess we can define what so blameless uh, meaning when things go wrong, it's not one person's fault; it's the team's fault. And we there's it's not bad that things went wrong; it's bad if they go wrong in the exact same way again. But then I just blame them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with that. So I'll give someone. It also prevents someone from writing code for themselves, which is a, a thing. I, mm. The thing you write, got it. Yeah, I just, I, I can't. I'm having. A, I've been working with code review for so long that I have a hard time imagining. It just seems like a table stakes thing. So I, I it's got to be really hard working in an environment without it. I don't envy that at all. I think yeah. you were about to say. Um. I'm just agreeing that there's multiple reasons for code review. I like, um, I, I think I, what you said is really important. Um, you know, transferring context of what's changing in the code base is really important in, in the product. Um, 
also use it to kind of distill team conventions or or thoughts around any any aspect of, of code. Uh, and then also, obviously, I mean, obviously, but, you know, catching bugs or, or getting a second set of eyes to look at something that you might not have seen. Yes. I've had plenty of times where, yeah, so it's not every PR, like somebody writes something by themselves and then somebody else looks at it and it's like, hey, you forgot this one thing or you did this one thing that is a security vulnerability or completely breaks everything. Um, right. Like when you're... It happens. It happens often enough that it's like that's that's the thing that I really feel like is I cannot give up code review because it happens. It doesn't happen all the time because obviously we're you know I don't know maybe not obviously we try and be professionals and we try and be decent in what we're doing, but it happens enough that you're like oh. But there's also this sort of like I can eyes are on that thing and then sometimes that's where that person like you almost like toxic yeah and it's not like an architecture even change, but it's just like yeah. Even myself looking at code uh, after sleeping on it, <laughs> well, 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 I'll usually catch things that I missed. Like for instance, like uh, a couple of Fridays ago, it was late and I was working on not late, but like four p.m., five p.m. I was working on authorization logic and uh, parsing a header for authorization authentication, uh, and. I was like, I should not be doing this right now. I am tired. It's Friday, Friday evening. So I like opened a PR and left it there. And I came back Monday morning and I was like, oh, like, right when I first looked at it, there was an obvious book right when I first glanced at it. And I fixed it up and had some else review it and it was fine. But if I had like, if I, if I wasn't aware of like my own um, uh, ability to be, to fail, uh, I would have like maybe pushed through it Friday and just ship something broken. As a team, like, yes, there are many things that you can, and most of the but as a team, going to get out of it, people look for PRs. You all mm. need to be on, on one page. Yeah, I think the the time thing, I think that's where it can be frustrating is you've got to have that happy cadence of working on things and review. But my argument about time is... No, the, uh, yeah, the, um, what the in, I think it's, in, I think it's Code Bear. I'll drop it in the show notes, but there's a, a, like seven or ten something guidelines for code review and one of them is that you should not be reviewing code for over an hour at a time like both that you know i mean big things happen sometimes um but if they do that like taking a break and having a stopping point is also really helpful but otherwise i mean in general you or you get that phenomenon where you know the uh the smaller your pull request the more it sits in review because people actually read it yeah that's uh, like 10 lines would be 10 comments or like 100 lines exactly and people are like i have opinions <laughs> and you you open like a giant friggin' thing and people are like it looks good to me I, we haven't had much of a problem with that i'm at that um people keep it keep it pretty tight what do you all think about retros since i i just went through one and it went well and we're going to start doing them monthly because we do more we don't do sprints we have kanban so uh there's not like a end of the sprint now we do a retro cadence mm. so we're just going to do it monthly um, i i really like weekly retros weekly. Um, all right yeah talk to well, me about it so uh what's your format on, and who facilitates um so yeah you have facilitators usually the manager or whoever is not a i guess in a, uh, strictly engineering role typically but it could be depending on the team um oh, it's like usually yeah, usually it's like, you just like a larger team. Like if it was just yourself or work two people working. It's like I don't, I haven't done retros in that size. Uh, Retro with yourself. 
I'm shit myself. What, what not a bad idea. Call it journal. Um, Zanga. The um, the format typically that I that I've seen is usually, and and this is in the context of working remotely, uh, is usually a Google Doc of some sort, either a a like Word style document, or I've also seen I've had a lot of success with um, Google has like a presentation, I forget what it's called, uh, thing, where you can collaboratively like essentially make shapes and and draw things. So we use that with post-it note style um, boxes and people write in there, those. So usually the format is uh, what went, uh, basically what went well, what went wrong this week. Uh, it can be anything. Just like what, what happened this week that you have. Um, then after, after everybody writes something down and you can either do it like anonymous or put a name to it. Usually you put a name to it so people go around and kind of describe why they wrote what they wrote um, and give a little more context. Then uh, the... Then there's usually like a, uh, I don't know what to call it, grouping phase. So in the in the presentation, not presentation, like the sticky note format, I'll, I'll call it, uh, people just kind of uh, silently, autonomously move things into groups they think are, are groups. Um, or in the Word doc format, um, people kind of just say like, I think these are the three themes that we, that we keep seeing. And then finally, it's, uh, what is one thing we can change for the next week or the next next time? Uh, and I like doing them weekly because if if I per se do them monthly, like I will have uh, strong feelings about something and then completely forget about it by the time a month rolls around and and not really care anymore. And plus, uh, I think with weekly you can have uh, a smaller retro and have kind of a quicker iteration on it. Um, but I guess it's it's tied up to the team and depending how the team the team works. Uh, and if you have one ones your manager, like that could also be a a good outlet for what I'm about to say is sometimes the point of the retro is not necessarily to to improve something. I mean usually it is, but it could also be like, hey, give give people space to talk about like whatever they've been carrying with them all week, whatever they have problems with or whatever they want to kind of talk about. Give them space to do that so they don't go home with it. Also, uh, it's like month of frustration or a month of thoughts. Yeah, I guess it's similar. But I, I think doing the month I'm currently doing work on myself essentially. Uh, but yeah, I really I my my favorite time uh, my favorite times in my career working on teams have been when we do retros regularly and where um, where we take the the one action item we're going to work on for next week. And actually, you know, incorporate that into our daily stand-up or Slack reminders or something. So you're kind of like, you pick something that we're going to change for next week and try as an experiment or an improvement, and then you remind yourself constantly for the next iteration that you're doing that. Those oh, are my thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Did you have you done one yet, or are you about to? Yeah, yeah, we did it. Um, the I actually. Because I wanted to, because it was kind of our, our first one, and there was some like, some like long running things that were just people had gotten multiple people had gotten frustrated about, and so I actually did it as a um, like I I listened and took physical notes while people talked, um, and told everyone to close down Slack and just focus on the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, and not be distracted by computer stuff. Yeah. Um, so no computer meeting. So yeah, but I mean that's kind of impossible to do for a remote team. Um, uh, yeah. So 
so so I mean uh, it's you know but that everyone commits to you know closing slack at least and you know like not like oh yeah while we were talking I was like changing this thing and whatever whatever it's like no don't do that like just be here and do the thing um so I don't I don't know about uh we also um having things that you look at during a meeting is uh we we have a, a member of our team who is uh, visually impaired. So having a screen reader running while you're trying to listen to people talk is uh, kind of doing things on hard mode. Um, so so that's one of the reasons why I did it that way. Um, mm. But uh, just because, yeah, if, you, if you're, I mean, straight up, if you're trying to listen to a screen reader and also listen to people talk, it's really difficult. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so like I'm thinking about that of like, how do we want to run this? Like, so that it's, you know, accessible to everybody so that everybody is getting equal access to the the information that we're sharing um so like me taking notes or i you know i'm into the rotating people taking notes uh idea or we could have it you know open in a google doc and then people who are looking at it uh can you know fill in gaps if they hear gaps in the notes um but i don't know i kind of like the idea of rotating rotating and then editing afterward once you read it that's that's how I did it was I you know then shared it with everybody and was like if I miss anything let me know um and you know right I did I do the same thing when I'm asking other people to do different kind of notes things like asking other people to do the incident report so it's not always me <clears throat> and uh you know then I'll have suggestions for hey like here's some other things that we did in response to the incident let's make sure that we write those down in the incident report stuff like that that's uh, uh, uh good not yeah, no, it's a terrible idea. We've have I talked about this? So this the uh, I feel like I talked about this last episode for some reason. But it's the um, what do you call musicians who write in their accidentals? Employed, um, like people who take notes. Like that's generally a very good thing. If you if you got the music reference, it's like accidentals are when the key changes and you have or usually the key change anyway. But writing on your music is good. <laughs> and sometimes people think they're a better musician if they don't, and they aren't. So take notes. <laughs> and then you can search through them. Yeah. I think Justin's a note taker. I'm a note taker? I thought you were. Uh, I write things I like down as I think about them, but I don't ever yeah. look at them every time. <laughs> uh, no, I definitely, I take notes for everything. That's and like then, yeah, doodling, then yeah, I started sketchnoting. So I sketchnoted a lot of Strange Loop. I sketched it every talk I went to, actually. Not every talk, everyone ended up on Twitter, but, um, oh, sorry, I did skip, I didn't sketch it, but, uh, but it helped me a lot into focusing, because if you ever go to a conference and you get that feeling where you're like, that was interesting, and then someone asks you, like, what did you learn, and you're like, eh? Like, what, what was your favorite talk? I don't remember any of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, like, not that uncommon. There was one, that one great one that the really made me think. And yeah, the one just everybody kind of else like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, snacks are great. But, so, yeah, I, I took sketch notes to, to try and do that. And then also sketch notes are fun, and people, like, the people who, multiple speakers uh, actually told me that they appreciated me tweeting the sketch notes because it helped them see what, so then they can see what stands out in their talk. Like when, you know, it's one thing to write a talk and have like, these are going to be the takeaways. And it's another to see what an audience member is actually hearing. Um, so pretty uh, I, was, I was just searching through my conversation history uh, about retros and, and Slack at work. Uh, and I was reminded of this website called uh, 
funretrospectives.com. Mm. And they have a, uh, a free board uh, that you can use, like a, a shared live updating board with voting. Oh, it's and not I, an ironic, sarcastic fun retrospectives. Uh, no, it's, it's serious. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so they, they have three columns by default, went well to improve in action items. Right. Um, which to improve is a really nice way of, of phrasing. This didn't go well. <laughs> they also have a book called to the point. Sounds good. So tomorrow, are you one? <laughs> that's way too timely. <laughs> I am. Are you? No. Okay. For a couple of, it's really expensive. It is. Which fucking bums. thing is like, so I pay, what do I pay right now? 35, 37 a month for 128 gig iPhone 7 on the iPhone upgrade program. The iPhone X starts at 49 I yeah, think. Like $50. $50, and that's for 64 gigs. So it's a, it's a reduction in space, oh. a, loss of, a loss of touch ID. And uh, actually, everything I've seen about face ID makes it seem like it works just perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That thing is like, I think it's super expensive. And this is the first year I've been like, I don't, I don't know if I want the new thing. So I didn't really makes me feel makes me feel real old, <laughs> or out of touch. I was a, yeah with the uh, camera, like the camera on the seven, and you have the seven plus, right? Yeah, that's a great camera. <laughs> but then I'm like, like, this was the if first. You don't upgrade. Yeah, this was the first year that. And then the iPhone eight, like I could like get that uh, again. It's only fifty six, so I'd have to either pay more or get a downgrade in space. And is there anything uh, different the eight to the seven? Why? Wireless charging and it has the uh, portrait mode photos and on, on, on the eight, uh, and I think that's it. I'm I'm sure it's faster. Uh, and the funny thing is, like I I have the Apple uh, iPhone battery case, the official one, which is super great. Like whenever I'm traveling or like at a conference, and I just need to like recharge my phone or I haven't been near charger for a while. It's like really great to like plug this thing in. It wraps around the phone. It integrates in the screen. Shows you how much battery uh, percentage is still in the in the case. It's really cool. Uh, that thing's a hundred dollars. So every time I upgrade my phone, I need to get a new one of those. And that that so having that has like dissuaded me from changing my phone's size because I don't want to get another case. Yeah. I'm an adult, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I yeah again I feel like old or out of touch saying this, but like I just want I want the thing. I love technology and I love it improving, but I feel like like you said, like the eight and the X don't really do anything different. They have like slightly better cameras than the forward-facing camera with the, with the, uh, what about that makes you feel curmudgeonly? Uh, that if, if I don't want the latest thing that, that I'm somehow doing something wrong. Oh, no, I think it's okay to also that you can like float in and out of being an early adopter. I feel like it's really being an early adopter all the time. And it's only like something to do if you really just hate having money in your bank account. (laughs) <laughs> well, so, um, so the commercial like, oh, thing I'm glass, doing. I'm on it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, no, like, I'm not. I'm not an early adopter, and I think that's okay. The the commercial thing is that I'm like, I just want the iPhone in particular to just kind of like, want like chill out for like a year, like just just be stable and good and have have it yeah. work well and have accessories that's fine. that all fit it, and then yeah. chill out for like next year. Uh, yeah. That my iPhone X is cool, like uh, the cool factor, that, but I don't, I don't need. Also, I assume. Yeah, that's my other problem with all this. Is like, <laughs> iOS 10 worked perfectly fine, and there are like zero improvements in iOS 11. Uh, there are some like nice integrations. Like I've noticed things that just kind of ha- 
in are nicer. I can't explain it. I guess like <laughs> Siri is a little more, and there's more integration. But like overall, like so, as as into this iPhone conversation that I am, you have to so go. I'm not. Yeah. So uh, which which I'll, phone do you have, Pam? Uh, this five X. Um, and I'm disappointed in it because I cheaped out and I should have gotten more storage. So I'm constantly like deleting shit just to let my phone continue running because I'm at 91% storage. Um, like 91% of the space on my, com- my computer phone is used up. Uh, it sucks. And I don't know. Anyway, I'll deal with it later. <laughs> it's like, right. it's like, so it's a thing that bothers me. It's like, it'd be really cool if I could actually have music on my phone. Wild idea. So I hear your 128 gigs, and I'm like, oh my god, that sounds amazing. Mine's like, <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm at the 60 level, and I just ran it out. Like, it's just, you know. iCloud is really great about like you don't listen to off the phone. Oh, I mean, I use the Google cloud. Suite to do all that too, but it's like I also use a, I end up using a lot of apps. Like I use a lot mm. of transit. I use a lot of, like I have three different transit apps for different situations. Yeah. Um, and I just, I end up using a lot of apps and I feel like even everything, everyone's always like, oh, download our app. I'm like, no, get off my phone. I don't have space. Like I straight up don't have space for you. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll handle it one day, but it's definitely not going to be uh, an expensive ass iPhone. So. <laughs> Before you get <laughs> a trip to the suburbs. Oh. Oh, that was actually really great. Um, it was so nice. It was such a nice house. They had a porch and there were rocking chairs on it. There was nice it was, There's. It was really, it was, it was pleasant. It did take a long ass time to get out there and back, but um, it was a really nice book club. We had really good snacks. Um, next edition is going to be much closer to my house, so that's fun. Thank you for asking. Uh, but yeah, so uh, show notes and such are on Turing.cool. Follow us on Twitter at TuringCool, and I'll talk to you all next. Bye. Bye. I did the whole outro, right? You did a really good outro. Thanks.